Chapter Eight of From the Easy Chair, Volume Two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Brandon. From the Easy Chair, Volume Two by George William Curtis. Chapter Eight Commencement. It is a changed college world since nat willis's philip slingsby was the hero of many a maiden's dream and the stories of willis reflected the modest gaiety of the society of his time nahant was then a summer resort of importance and had not become as one of its denizens said in later years only cold boston willis's heroes like byron's were largely himself and it was but a thin veil that covered in them persons familiar in the society that he knew and incidents drawn from his own experience he was the college hero of his time but his scripture poems which had great vogue and were printed in all the class books and readers and his burial of arnold a young and brilliant senior at yale and his bright and blithe saturday afternoon are quite passed out of current knowledge they are not the kind of verse which is produced in college now their byronic sentimentality is not to the taste of the college club and greek letter society man of to-day and charles coldstream who looks on listlessly at the college athletic games leaves enthusiasm to the fresh and has really never read those things of willis's yet the dominant emotions of commencement this year were very much what they were when philip slingsby dared the waltz and even the more emancipated bells shuddered a little as they slid into the charmed circle youth and hope and the passion which is not all a dream are forever renewed and if the fashion changes the substance remains in the crowded church at commencement this year with the gay dresses and the flowers and the music and the soft summer air breathing in at the open doors and windows there are still palpitating bosoms and a color that comes and goes and glances that meet and mingle read the language of those wandering eye-beams the heart knoweth it was nat willis yesterday in a high-collared coat and an ample cravat such as brummel wore and even d'orsay it is a quaint and a droll costume as you see it in those old fraser pictures of english authors tis sixty years since but in that guise it is you sir of to-day and if your oration is spoken to one auditor in all that lovely throng in the gallery whose heart answers pity zekel to your pit pat do you think that the divine una's grandmother was never young and that the droll high-collared coats did not cover hearts as sensitive and hopes as high as the faultless summer attire of nameless june class of ninety the actors change but the spectacle is the same even the members of the reverend and venable the corporation 
those bald and white-haired worthies who seemed vaguely always to have been sitting unchanged in the front pews like those austere senators of rome of whom the tradition tells us that they sat motionless although the invader came even they are living monuments and on their hearts as on tablets the story of the wandering eye-beams is engraved there is not one of the young heroes of the commencement hour whom those elders do not scan with knowledge these wise young judges carry no secrets which the elders do not share is it a strange world that of willis and his philip slingsby it is the world of the moment and of this commencement but there is something else in commencement besides this romance of feeling and tradition it is the celebration of the intellectual life the eloquence indeed is sometimes rather copious an oration in the morning before one literary society in the afternoon before another and a sermon in the evening before the missionary association is good measure heaped up and running over there is some jealousy also even in academic groves in the older day if the melpomene had its oration in the morning and the Uterpe in the afternoon and you read on the following sunday scrawled on the blank page of the hymn-book in the pew words 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 oration of cicero and genius eloquence common sense oration of demosthenes you knew that you read the comment upon the rival orator of a melpomenian or a euterpian as the case might be but if the orator were not always wise or eloquent there were also discourses which have profoundly influenced the lives of those who heard and read them giving a direction and inspiring a fidelity which like wordsworth's thoughts of his past years breed perpetual benediction it is a recollection blended of many feelings that which the recurring commencement brings to the alumnus but the deep and permanent charm is the consciousness of the infinite worth and consolation of letters theoretically the college course was a series of years devoted to making acquaintance with the treasures of human genius possibly there was in fact some divergence from the theory but that was the opportunity the gates were set ajar and if the neophyte did not choose to enter he lost as the teacher said to his pupil who went fishing rather than to hear webster's eulogy on adams and jefferson he lost what he can never regain is there some fatality which makes the pen the treats of commencement oratory and didactic is there some secret charm which still allies the college to the pulpit so that to talk about it is presently to begin to preach the easy chair asks because it feels that it is about to take the sacerdotal tone and remind the youth who is leaving or entering college that like every other epoch in life college is an opportunity it is what you make it fate as the older times would have said life as we prefer to say gives us a chance but the improvement of it we give ourselves the tragedy of the refrain too late too late 
ye cannot enter now is that of the man who in our simple phrase wasted his college years the tender spell of whittier's maud muller lies in its saddest words of tongue or pen but the memory of what might have been is so profoundly pathetic because it might not have been and we were the arbiters of fate and did not choose to turn upward kind sir of the college who lend to the preacher of the moment your listening ear the preacher himself may be a wearisome chaplain but you are the young judge of the summer afternoon smelling the meadows sweet with hay and stopping at the cool spring where maud muller hands you the refreshing draught do you follow the allegory and see in that maid what really she is to you she's a maiden who rakes the hay to numa she is egeria by the other fountain it is a sweet illusion for the maid is not egeria nor maud muller but under those gentle forms she is the nymph of opportunity woo her and win her and all the happiness that might have been will be yours there is nothing more touching than the inability of the chooser to comprehend the choice why did not the judge yield to the soft persuasion of that simple loveliness why did he not embrace the opportunity and fold his happiness to his heart well sir that is always the question but if he did not know that in that fair figure opportunity stood before him you do know it don't be satisfied to hum in court an old love tune you remember the legend of the sibyl's books was it interpreted to you in the classroom do you interpret it to yourself the most inspiring tradition in every college is not that of the boat or the ball of copious gold and flowing wine of milo or sardanapolis or midas it is not that of the dig or the prig of dry as dust or casaban but it is that of the youth by whatever name he is called in your college who did not like the judge closing his heart ride on who knew that four such years as yours in college would never return and that they offered him the golden keys which polished by his labor would open the heaped treasures of genius in all ages and lands it is he who in taking the keys did not grudge the labor and to whose life those treasures have been wide open no the inspiring personal tradition of college was not the pleasant philip slingsby it was rather philip sidney who rode with the best and was a man in every manly enterprise but who had so used his opportunities in study and affairs that hubert languet most accomplished of scholars called him friend and william of orange called him master end of chapter eight recording by john brandon